Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Back the other way, touchdown Tampa Bay, intercepted by Jamel Dean. Like I said, I felt good about the spot, and I knew he was tight. We fit throws like that. Um, I missed my spot by, you know, probably a foot or so, um, and the you know, kid made a good play. Mike Clemens was there for us here at the Fan. He joins us now on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. Follow him on Twitter, Mike Clemens NFL. Mike, it was a decent start. They had said, oh, we were off schedule on a few plays. Okay, but you were up 10 nothing. I was starting to think, all right, on, on Tuesday's or Monday's show, I'm going to do when will the Packers' first loss be? Do you think they can go undefeated? Then Tampa Bay hung up 38 unanswered on them, Mike. That was a mystery to me, uh, why they couldn't stop the, the leaking like that. You know, I, I pull up to the stadium Sunday afternoon, and I get out, and it wasn't as bad as the day before when I got off the plane, and I thought, oh, <laughs> they're going to play football in this? because it was definitely warmer than any day that the Packers had during training camp. There was a wind going through Raymond James Stadium. There was lots of Packer fans there. Of the 15,000, 16,000 tickets. That yeah, they my sold, mom and dad were there. Oh, that's right. You told me your parents were they going. They said it was very socially distanced. They said yeah. they felt extremely safe. Yeah. You know, the young people, they would take off their masks when they're together, but if people started coming by, they would put it on. Um, you know, they've got some cool things that when you pull up to the stadium, like a – you know, like a, a makeshift beach and a DJ and a band and stuff. So, you know, that part's okay. Um, and then you get in there, and Rodgers, I mean, he dom- – what I think he held the Tom Brady to a three and out in the, fir- in the first quarter. Uh, they, you know, the Packers had two long drives. But you saw Rodgers, like, with a little happy feet, like a little nervous, not settled. And because he kept on seeing different fronts that – he didn't recognize from the tape from what he expected from Todd Bowles. You know, the Buccaneers, they played that Thursday night game, and if you will, they had an extra two or three days to prepare, whereas the Packers were taking their bye. They were staying at home. They had to get up every morning and get COVID tested and then go home and just chill. You know, the Bucks were really disappointed and pissed at themselves the way they lost that game to the Bears. They thought they should have won it. And so they retooled a lot of things. They had a couple extra days to figure out what was going on. Now, here's the scary part, is this. I stayed late in the press box after the game because I wanted to hear what the Buccaneers had to say. And I, so I you know, uh, recorded all their press conferences. And you talk to this Jamal Dean, their safety, who, I, you know, it was like he was in the huddle that he knew that ball was going to uh, Devontae Adams when he got the first pick six that, only the third in Aaron Rodgers' career, which was just the total momentum shift. 
it started a 38 unanswered point run for the Buccaneers, and he talked about what he saw off that interception off of Rodgers. I was really, when I saw the formation, then I seen how like everything started to develop. I'm like, I have to make this play because I know what's coming. And then once he, th- once I saw him throw it, I was like, yeah, it's mine. Well, not only did he think he knew the play, but then if you see the video and they showed this, they had a great shot on uh, the, the broadcast. Rodgers was looking at Devontae the entire time. Oh, so the laser eyes as well. But I mean, you know, we've been talking about with all these bunch formations, different, and in the bunch formations, they've got different, you know, it's a different lineup every time. They've got a, a dozen different of those kinds of things. If, hey, MVS goes here, Devontae goes here, et cetera. If that kid can just already just look at the formation and say 90% chance the ball's going out to the flats to Devontae, I'm going to jump this thing. The other thing that really stood out, I think it was a surprise, I think that really shocked Aaron Rodgers was those two inside linebackers, Devin White, Levante David, Levante got to Aaron, was it three times? I mean, he was beating him up. He somehow was going unchecked through the A-gap, up the middle, and on Rodgers' face all day, or some stunts. And they would put seven guys up on the line. It was almost like the old Dom Capers psycho defense, remember that, where guys would be standing around and milling around and all that? And, you know, the Packers seemed to be totally unprepared. And Devin White is also a guy who has been lobbying Todd Bowles to let him go. Let, let Trust me, I'll get home before the play develops. You know, let them do all that pre-stat motion crap. Just I'll just go straight for the quarterback because he's getting the football. And Devin White talked about how Todd Bowles then agreed to unleash him in the game. Well, we really started fast, but, you know, they kind of gave us something that we haven't seen. And, you know, we got beat, and they had a long drive on us. But I say Dean Pick. Dean Pick set the tempo for the rest of the game because we knew, like, you know, them guys didn't deserve to be on the field with us because we got too much talent. We fly around to the ball. And the main thing, we always have fun. But, yeah, you're right. I told Todd to uh, unleash me. You know, let me get out to the quarterback. I had uh, a couple quarterback hurries, some hits, and I was doing a great job, you know, feeding off the defensive line and the outside linebackers because they was doing a good job in the back end. They was doing a good job at disguising. So their offensive line couldn't pick up really none of our stunts. So, I mean, everything starts with Ty Balls. You know, he – he, he set us up for success, and the only thing we got to do is just communicate. That's always been our biggest problem, and we, when we communicate, we can play a good game. And we played for four quarters today, so that was the main thing. You know, their younger guys, especially on defense, certainly had the intensity and the speed. And then it was also, you know, if you're watching this game and you're not sure of every single transaction that's happened in the NFL, all of a sudden you see Jason Pierre-Paul, and you see Indomitian Sue who, when he two-hand shoved Rodgers to the ground, that's the image that's going to last for me in this game. And then on the other side, it's Rob Gronkowski and even older Tom Brady, all these guys that, you know, maybe they were all in the Pro Bowl together five years ago. These are the guys that are beating the Packers too. Yeah, and see, so it's it's the, the good news and the bad news if you're a team that puts together these veterans like Shady McCoy, or Leonard Fournette, oh, yeah, McCoy. And, and, they're, and, you know, they're questionable all week, you know. And so that's when you say, see, Gutekinds has got the right idea. You know, you stick with guys that are in their third year of their contract, fourth year of their contract, and they're on the field as opposed to these 28-, 29-year-old guys that are all banked up, and they're always questionable. You know, you're lucky if you can get 10, 12 games out of them. But, you know, they showed up. This Listen, here's the other thing. 
the Buccaneers are totally all into this year. I mean, Tom Brady is in town, and this is the year. They're not. That's why they're bringing in all these free agents and spending money and all that. They want it now because they've got Tom Brady. That's kind of their attitude there. You know, and the Packers, they're trying to put together a Super Bowl as well. They're just not going to give away future draft picks uh, to do that. So then you talk to Roland Jones, who's in his third year. Uh, they even threw a ball to him, and when everybody pretty much knows he struggles. But I thought this was the most interesting thing, because Brady only talked, took about two or three questions and quit. I, didn't, I think Brady, because of, in part, partially just he wanted to get the hell out of there. Uh, but secondly, I don't think he wanted to make a big deal about how bad a day Rodgers had. So Brady only took like two or three questions, said thank you, and then left. But to me, when I saw Brady go three and out, three and out to start the game, I'm thinking, look at him, man. He's as cool as a cucumber. And even though the Packers are dominating the time of possession, he waited for his opportunities. Then he started getting great field position from his defense. And when you talk to Roland Jones, their running back, what did Tom Brady say in that huddle? I mean, he just explained to us what's going on, what we're doing wrong, and then tell us mm-hmm. to keep our composure. Okay, it's still, we, it's still early in the game. We're still in it, so keep fighting. Mike, the uh, the way that Brady was there, I mean, Brady didn't do a ton in this game, but there were certain things that I think the Packers needed to do against Brady. And there's been a lot of, in these last two days of, of phone calls and social media, just reaction, a lot of people talking about Mike Pettin. And you look at some of these games where, the Saints, Drew Brees is not going to throw the ball down the field. So guard the quick slants, guard the quick passes. Well, Patton was playing 10 yards off these guys against Tom Brady. Pressure him, hit him. No, you give him time, you rush three, and then he can just dance around and see who is the wide receiver on Josh Jackson who's struggling. I'll give it to Tyler Johnson there, touchdown. So a lot of it has been, you know, Brady had his time. Mike Patton wasn't applying the pressure. The other thing is that the Buccaneers also use their tight ends a lot. And even though O.J. Howard lost for the year with the Achilles, who ends up being their leading receiver? And I talked about this last week because in the games that I watched the Buccaneers leading up to Sunday's game, it's like, you know, see, Brady, this is just like when he was back in New England and thrown to Gronkowski and his tight ends over the middle a lot. And I was think I remembered how, uh, how Phillip Rivers – when they upset the Packers last year with the Chargers with that win, how he just kept on chipping away and chipping away at, at the middle section because Adrian Amos would have to go deep to cover somebody. Now, they didn't do that. They were working the sidelines, but Gronkowski ends up being their leading receiver in the game. 57-year-old Robert <laughs> Rob Gronkowski with uh, five catches, 78 yards, 31-yarder, the, the touchdown, and Bruce Arians, talked about how you got, you know, Gronkowski to lead the Tampa Bay receivers. Yeah, I thought, I thought uh, Tom and Rob had great connections uh, uh, crossing routes. We, we got the matchup we were looking for on the fade ball, and um, Gronk did a heck of a job of adjusting to that ball and, uh, and getting the touchdown. So I just wish he could have spiked it with his right shoulder, but his right shoulder's hurt, so uh, he missed his good spikes. But uh, he made some huge, huge plays on us. <laughs> So that's the Buccaneers coach, uh, the Packers coach, as we talked to Mike Clemens, obviously, Matt LaFleur. You know, he kind of looked in, in some of these big games that they lose and they lose big, he kind of looked like he had no answers for that defense. No, and through the binoculars, Bart, you know, when you kept on seeing 45 and 54, Devin White, Levante David, 
up the middle. When you saw them come up to the line with seven guys on the defensive line, and you kind of got a sense like, wow, Rodgers is confused, man. I mean, he doesn't know where it's coming from. He's seeing ghosts. And that's why he's got, like, this happy feet, and he's running outside the pocket rather than just figuring out a way to get rid of the ball quickly. His timing was completely screwed up because he could not figure out where the pressure was coming from. And I even asked LaFleur this after the game, and I don't know if he understood the question, but to me it's like is you've got these guys all on board in your offense now, and, 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 as, and as efficient as you ran it, how could you not find one or two packages to turn this thing around? You know, just like even it took to the late of the third quarter in the NFC Championship against the 49ers, and people talk about it, well, it's trash time because your defense has given up 30 points. Yeah, I get that, but there's still there are still ways to problem solve. Sean Payton finds these ways. Bill Belichick, you know, and Josh McDaniel find these ways. But, you know, you talk to LaFleur, and he talked about, yeah, they were overwhelmed by how good those two inside linebackers, and maybe everyone has underestimated the talent on the Buccaneers' defense. Those two guys they have can flat roll. Um, they are two of the better linebackers in this league. And, uh, you know, I never want to get into comparisons uh, with our guys. It is a different style of defense. There's no doubt about it. And they did a good job, and, and they flat whipped us. They did a nice job. They've got some really good players. I think their scheme's really good. And we didn't execute. We didn't block, especially when you're trying to throw the football like we were and needed to to get back into that game. If you can't block them, it really doesn't matter what you call. So anytime you get punched in the mouth like that and really beaten handily in all three phases, you've got to be critical of yourself and learn from your mistakes. And the big thing that we cannot allow this loss to lead into a bad performance performance versus a really talented Houston Texan team. So you just can't allow one loss to become two. The losses that they've had under Matt LaFleur outside of his first one was to the Eagles last year on a Thursday night, but the Chargers won, the two Niners ones, and, and there's only been five, but then this one against Tampa, there has been a, uh, a theme to them, Mike, is that they go down early and then they just either seem lethargic or maybe like they don't care or they don't think they can come back, but there's definitely a pattern to the losses. Well, yeah, you know, and let's understand. Right now, Matt LaFleur's the hottest coach in the NFL. He's got a winning percentage of 818. He's 18-4 after that game. But the thing that's weird about this is that the average score that the Packers have won by, and this goes back to a lot of those games last year, and, you know, they were 13-3 and last year, but let's remember – you know, the the schedule got soft in late November, early December. I mean, come on, when you're playing the Giants in early December, that was practically a bye week. They had two or three gimmies in there. Whatever the case, uh, when Matt LaFleur, his average of winning games is by nine points. When they lose, the average like goes up to like 18 points. It's like when they lose, they get blown out. So he came out of this thing with a little bit of a spin. Maybe it's what he felt in his gut, but he told his players in the visitor's locker room after this loss, he said, you know what, that was a bad week of practice, and we all know that. And so all those players that came out of that locker room are parroting what the coach told them you know, in the speech that he gave them afterwards. And I think Aaron Rodgers picked that up about you know, his take on another blowout loss like the ones against the 49ers last year.
Look, you don't ever want to lose like this. I felt like we needed a little bit of a wake-up call at some point this season uh, because things have been so good. And there's been so much talk maybe outside the building about the ease which with, with which we're, you know, moving the ball on offense and scoring. And, you know, I think we need a kind of a kick in the ass a little bit as, as a little bit of a wake-up to, uh, you know, stop feeling ourselves so much and get back to the things that got us to this position. And I think this would be, unfortunately, but fortunately, um, something we can really, uh, really grow from. I got to tell you, Mike, this this narrative that if you have a bad game, you come out and talk about how bad practice was. I don't like it. Yeah, yeah, you know, and it's two bye weeks in a in a row, right? Two years in a row where you came out so flat. Um, I don't know what to make of that. It's it's just that I think they underestimated this team a little bit. You know, and the Buccaneers, they spent their 10 days, man, and they cleaned up the rack. I mean, they had 43 penalties in those first uh, five games that they were. They were averaging like, you know, nine, ten penalties a game, 100 yards. That was Penalties beat them in that Bears game. So they come out, and it's the second time only in franchise history, they have zero penalties for the game. So, you know, Todd Bowles, their defensive coordinator, who kind of hopped around the league as a secondary coach, got that opportunity to – head coach the Jets, you know, four or five years ago for about three years. He won the game. He came up with a hell of a defensive game plan against this Matt LaFleur pre-snap motion offense, and he basically told his linebackers and the guys in the box, don't pay attention to that crap. Don't let your eyes get baited. You, we're going to assign you this gap. You're going to dance in and out. Some of you will be disguised, you know, like the old Dom Capers psycho defense. But you, everybody takes a gap. And you're going to blitz, and you're going to bird, you go right after it. And Lafleur's got to figure that out because that could be a blueprint. Injury-wise, David Bakhtiari, I thought it looked like a knee, but they said it was a chest injury because the way the doctors were looking at him during the TV timeout, um, they, you know, we'll have David on the big show this afternoon, 4:35. See what he says. Um, Tyler Lancaster, who they do rely on their defensive line, a shoulder injury. Uh, Kevin King was inactive with that quad. Um, you could mention Preston Smith actually left the game for a few snaps as well, as did the safety Darnell Savage. He had a quad. And Chris Barnes got shaken on a punt but got back into the game uh, a series or two later. That the, the standout linebacker. But, yeah, they came away with eight or nine guys that got banged up in that game. And uh, I'm not going to – I really won't have any more information I can count on. Because of the COVID thing and the restrictions, it's a little tougher to get that stuff in advance, so I couldn't be for sure what's going on until that injury report comes out about 4.30 tomorrow afternoon. Well, and as you mentioned, we'll hear from David Bakhtiari today at 4.30 on the big show. Mike, welcome back. Appreciate you, and we'll talk on Thursday. Thanks, Bart. Mike Clemens joins us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. If you're applying for a home renovation loan and you're a bit anxious, breathe. Let Great Midwest Bank help you experience a state of banquility. Get started today at greatmidwestbank.com want to remind you about my friends over at Window Select. So here's what they've got. They have got the product that's going to take your home to the next level, both on the outside and the inside of the home. So they have got some high-quality products when it comes to windows, doors, siding. They'll come out, do an initial consultation with you at no cost, get you what you need. You can help design some of the stuff, and then they go into that workshop, and they get it done. And they have taken a lot of time and a lot of effort into making sure that the products they do deliver and install are of the highest quality 
and the most energy efficient that you're going to find anywhere. They back it all with a double lifetime warranty. We had a caller earlier. He said he was 60 years old. He wants to live to 100. Our boy Al. Al, you can live to 200, and you're still under the warranty with our friends over at Windows Select. Check them out. They've got that. The great products is the reason to go, but so many other ways to make it affordable for you. And I'm talking about a buy one, get one deal on the windows. You get a window, you get another one free. You buy two windows, that's two free. The rest you guys can figure out. Pretty simple math problem, but you're going to get a bunch of free windows. Also, you don't have to pay them anything for 12 months after the installation. And right now, this week, this week only, free installation. So many great incentives. So many ways to make this as affordable as can be and enhance your home. Again, check them out. It's Windows Select. They're online, windowsselect.com, 262-703-3500, windowsselect.com. We have a cancellation to bring you. The uh, former employers of Bart Winkler, at least a one-year internship, in which I did not put a good enough effort into it. I really, I really screwed up there. But the Milwaukee Wave are not going to play this year. They have canceled their season. Uh, this after they won a championship. People forget I was at that game. I was in the stands. I paid 10 bucks. I, I paid more at Major Goolsby's before the game to enjoy this game. But the Wave are not going to play. They cannot reach an agreement with the Panther Arena about how many people they can seat at these games. They're press release notes that the Wisconsin center district budget assumes there will not be any games at Panther arena until fall of 2021. What does that mean for the admirals? So I'm wondering here too, with, we don't know when the NHL is going to start again. We know that the admirals won't start until the first week in December at the earliest, but now I'm wondering if Panther arena is not going to be used for them as well. Do they team up with Fiserv? Can they, I don't know. So just a lot still in flux, and that's the latest that there will be no Milwaukee Wave season, sad to see. Yeah, that it's going to be crazy to see what happens, you know, with a lot of these, uh, you know, with the local teams. And, I mean, I know that we're not talking about it right now. I want to see what happens with minor league baseball. Like, when's the NBA season going to start? No clue. But on a positive note, because that's how I like to end the show. Right. At least I do. Um, I did pull what you asked me to pull. But I did it on my own page, so we don't have to overtake the Bill Michaels show and Wendy's big show today. It's a big day for them. They got David Bakhtiari at 435. He's going to talk about his chest injury and about the loss. 435radio.com app if you're not around a radio. <laughs> uh, was Len Dawson overrated? Oh, you went Len Dawson over Vince Evans? Yeah, I went Len Dawson because I feel like he's the better known quarterback. I uh, got a lot of responses already. So the poll's up. 50% say yes, Len Dawson was overrated. 50% say no, he was not overrated. Edgar says, better question, is Joe Namath overrated? Wow. The only correct answer would be yes. Uh, Ridgeway Nutt, he says, how can a quarterback be overrated when they could do this during halftime of the Super Bowl? It's him cutting a Joe. Um, and I just got another one. This comes from Question All. He said, just noticed looking at quarterback stats about Len Dawson. Thanks, Ryan Horvat. I noticed it was Dave Craig's birthday today. Oh, Dave Craig. Lives in Wisconsin. Happy birthday to this Milton grad. Dave Craig's from Milton? Oh, you just retweeted me. Now I'm now we're 
We can't have this on the station. I retweeted it from the station account, and I said retweet for a bigger sample size. So I don't listen to to, to y'all taking stuff. Is a joke? <laughs> we's coming off a loss. Yeah, we's was, need uh... to get back on track, and we's is not going to do it with no California pretty boy. I want that kid from Utah State. You see what he did against Louisiana Tech last year? Three interceptions, no touchdown passes, 137 yards. That wasn't his fault. He had new backs and no offensive line, a.k.a. what happens to every college quarterback because there's a thing called uh, graduation. You don't stay there forever. You don't lose guys to free agency. Guys, move on. Trevor Lawrence playing with some new guys this year. What did he do last game? You miss? I missed it. Well, 500 yards, five touchdown passes. Hmm. Trevor Lawrence. You want to talk about the thing that every other show in the country has talked about that we haven't uh, what, the highlighted yet? Kershaw tonight? No, uh, Joe Buck's schedule this week. Yeah, he's calling every single World Series game. So Joe Buck on Sunday was in Tampa Bay Tough and life. called the Packer game. And then on Monday, he was in uh, Buffalo to do the Bills game. Now he's going to Texas to call the World Series 1 and 2. And then on Thursday, he's going to go to Philly and call the Eagles game. And then he's going to do World Series games for three days, and yeah. then he's going to have a day off, and then maybe two more World Series games, and then the Panthers and the Saints. Yeah, I don't really care. Uh, Clayton Kershaw is on the mound tonight. Former high school teammate of? Oh, he was uh, he was teammates with Matt Stafford. Yes, he was. Ding, 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 ding. Finally. Uh, do you think, who do you think wins that series, though? We got about three minutes to talk baseball now. Uh, the Dodgers. I will take Come the on. Dodgers. Really? They got to win one of these. And this would be the year... Now, I'm not putting an asterisk next to anything but LeBron's title and the Dodgers if they if they happen to win. Uh Mayor Mitch Ross tweets in who we Mitch, we highlighted your Twitter account earlier. Yeah. I liked your tweet about practice. We also saw, read some of your other tweets, including the Elm Street tweet. It's in Ohio, but there's palm trees. He says, I don't want to sound like Horvat, but Dave Craig went to my high school. Oh, yeah, because I was... you're always yeah, yeah, I don't know if, I don't know if that was supposed that's, to that's, be said in... No, that was a good one, actually, for Mitch. I, just, I, I thought it, you'd like I it. I had to read it before I... I thought he meant, like, I don't want to talk about Len Dawson anymore, but... One thing I want to say before we wrap things up yeah, is... Yeah, remind us. Dude, so Kyler Murray, I didn't realize he was undefeated in high school as Seven a quarterback. Yeah. 42-0. No, 42-0. 7-0, though, at AT&T at uh, Jerry's yeah. World, too. Yeah. Never lost in that building. Undefeated. But he was undefeated. He won three state titles. Why was he ever going to play baseball? Because have you ever seen him play baseball? He was really good, and he had, like, what, $85 million guaranteed or something like but that? Maybe more? If he's playing baseball now, he is not. What, what was he doing in the summer? Sure. We, don't, we don't see him. There was no minor leagues. Well, right. See, that would be the problem. Right, right, right. Like, what's Tim Tebow doing right now? And but he then didn't the have that Cardinals, option. the Cardinals had a quarterback. It was Josh Rosen. They only had him for a year, and they're like, oh, we're still going to take Kyler Murray. And it worked out. So Kyler's decision worked out. The Cardinals' decision worked out. Yeah, I probably still would have played baseball, man. You don't get hit. Gu- guaranteed money. That's why you play baseball. Guaranteed money. I didn't know Kyler Murray's teammates all hate him until last night. Did you? I didn't know that was ever a storyline. Like, he's not a leader. What? He's antisocial. Yeah, like. He doesn't get along with anybody. He just does his own thing. They named him a captain to try to like make him more outgoing. I thought only Aaron Rodgers. So he's like a... the Bart Winkler of the fan. Yeah, but he's really good. Ah, uh, fair point. And fast and in mm. shape. Okay, now you're going too far. We're back tomorrow at five.
Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 